you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, October 20th, 2021, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we will continue our player report card series for the 2021 Orioles season. As today, we're going to get into the Orioles' first baseman. Now, for a lot of teams, you're thinking first baseman, that's not covering a lot of players on the team. But although we're only going to talk about two guys today, they were pretty important players for the Orioles in 2021 and could potentially be pretty important for the Orioles moving forward. As we're going to give out grades to just two players today, but those two players you know very well. Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle both had fantastic 2021 seasons, obviously for different reasons, but uh, great years for both of them, kind of playing that same first base DH position for most of the year. And joining us to give out those grades is Dylan Atkinson. He is a writer over at Utah Street Report covering the Orioles. He's also written for Masson and other outlets in the past, and he's also been on this podcast a few times before. You guys know Dylan uh, from the Orioles Twitter community as well, and uh, he's going to join us again. It's actually going to be part one of our conversation here today. We actually graded a lot more, not a lot more, but more infielders, uh, but that will be coming up on tomorrow's episode. We'll finish out our conversation with Dylan Atkinson, where we'll give grades to Pat Valeka and Ramon Arias again as well on tomorrow's episode to kind of finish out this starting infield group. But today we are talking about the first baseman, and that is coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me every week to talk Orioles and get in on the action at Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. And before we get to our conversation with Dylan, also wanted to thank you, the listener, for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, really wherever you are listening right now, you can get Locked on Orioles. And remember, we are the only podcast bringing you Orioles content daily, five days a week still, Monday through Friday, you wake up, there's a new episode of Locked on Orioles to listen to. And again, the plan for the offseason, uh, once the Major League Baseball playoffs end and we get into November, we will shift back a little bit. We'll go to three days a week with the episodes, but you'll still have episodes in your inbox Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every single week, and we'll still be the only podcast giving you Orioles content three days a week, even during those off-season months. Then we get to March right back to Monday through Friday again, and we thank you so much for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And if you like what you hear here on Locked on Orioles, make sure to uh, you know like and subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast on whatever podcast listening platform you choose. And especially if you are listening right now on Apple Podcasts, if you give us a rating and a review, that really, really helps out the pod. Just kind of scroll down right there in the Apple Podcasts app. You can leave a rating. Hopefully it's a five star and uh, leave a review as well. Give me your thoughts on the pod, whether good or bad, something we do great, something that we could do a little bit better. Also, if you want to leave any comments about the Orioles, leave any questions to answer on the podcast, we will get to them if you put them in that review. But it really, really helps out the pod to get those five-star ratings and a review. And again, we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. And your first listen today, well, we're going to talk about two Orioles fan favorites, obviously, as we give out grades to the first base position specifically for the Orioles. Realized, hey, we got 
a long off season, and uh, there's you know no need sometimes to squeeze four of these grades into into one episode. And uh, sometimes you talk enough to talk about two guys, and these two guys are important enough to uh, make it just one episode for two players to give out grades. Again, it's Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle who we're going to be talking about on today's episode. Of course, for Trey, we're going to look a lot into you know why he's going to get a fantastic grade. You know, heads up, he's going to get a fantastic grade for returning from going through colon cancer treatment, chemotherapy for six months in 2020, and returning to play 147 games in a full season here in 2021 and being an above-average productive major league hitter as well. We're going to talk about all that, but then we'll also get to, you know, what Mancini's offseason is going to look like. He is going into his last year of essentially his rookie contract with the Orioles in 2022. He's going to be due about $8 million in arbitration this offseason as well, and the Orioles may have some decisions to make. We know they haven't been keen on spending a lot on some guys. I don't know if they'd non-tender Trey Mancini, but he's definitely potentially a trade candidate this offseason. We will talk about all that with Dylan, uh, who actually wrote about this a couple weeks ago for Utah Street Report. We'll talk about what Mancini's future could look like, and is he an Oriole on opening day? Is he an Oriole after the trade deadline next year? Would the Orioles potentially even give Mancini an extension? Then we'll, of course, talk about Ryan Mountcastle as well, uh, his fantastic kind of extended rookie season. You know, he's not going to win AL Rookie of the Year, but good chance he finishes top three in that voting after another fantastic year closed the year really strong uh, we'll talk about you know why his defense in left field early in the year hurt him why we still think maybe he could play out there a little bit and uh, what his future role is going to be with the Orioles for years to come so we're doing all that giving out grades to Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle as Dylan Atkinson joins the pod a writer for Utah Street Report and that's all coming up right after this break so we'll give out some grades to the Orioles starting first baseman in just a second here. But first, this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Orioles once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Spotify Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Spotify Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. So, go download the free Greenroom app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. And follow me, at Connor Newcomb, to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it, as I'm planning to be live every single week. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Orioles, and I'll see you there at Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. And now, after this next ad break, we'll get back to it with Dylan Atkinson of Utah Street Report, talking Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle. Dylan, first of all, thank you so much for hopping back onto the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back, Connor. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we have you on to continue our player grade series for the Orioles for the 2021 season. And uh, we were just talking a little bit uh, before we hopped on the air here that, uh, you know, you were part of this last year when we did the 2020 player grades and you were stuck with a group that included Mason Williams and Dwight Smith Jr. Uh, this year, I would say things are working out a little bit better for you in terms of who we're going to talk about today. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to this one, especially because this time around, I'm able to give some more positive grades. That's for sure. Yeah. So we're going to talk about kind of the 
I called the group the main infielders for the Orioles, the main starting infielders. You may not agree with one name being thrown in there, but you know it's kind of the, the, the main infielders, some veteran infielders, whatever you want to call it. But today we're going to talk about Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, Ramon Urias, and Pat Vileka. So let's just start with the most interesting name to talk about here, and, and that is Trey Mancini. And, you know, you just wrote about him uh, this week over at Utah Street Report about, you know, what his future holds with the Orioles as he heads into the final year of his, you know, essentially rookie deal uh, with the Orioles in 2022. We are going to get to that in a bit, what his future might look like. But first, let's just take a look at his 2021 season. And obviously it was fantastic for him just to get back on the field. He is a shoe in for the AL Comeback Player of the Year award. And so I wanted to pose it to you first, Dylan, what kind of grade do you give Trey for his season? I was having somewhat of a tough time with it because I wasn't sure if I wanted to surely just go off the numbers or not, but but the, there's no way I couldn't come back around and just give an A. I mean, just for him coming back alone was enough for me to give him an A, but to him play majority of the season, he had a little bit of injury at the end there, but he never hit the IL. He, he, he still stayed through the season. And to still put up a, a positive war season, I mean, he he, he wasn't – his 2019 self the entire season. But uh, I, I, a lot of that was him more so tailing off at the end. He'd been cited in, in an article by uh, by Nathan Ruiz over at, at the Baltimore Sun that uh, that after July, he he just, he felt tired going into, in, into those last two months and expectedly so, especially after coming back. So um, he showed some flashes of his 2019 self, but ultimately just having him back out there and producing in the middle of the Orioles lineup was enough for me to give him an A. He was awesome this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to give the A too. I mean, the only thing that keeps it from an A plus, I think if he would have come back and had somehow a better season than 2019, I mean, that's like a plus flying colors. And the only reason it's, it's an A instead is because his numbers took a little bit of a dip, but really, you know, when you look at, at his numbers at the end of the year, he was on pace to be close to his 2019 until kind of August hit. And then, as you said, he got tired. You can understand why not only had he not played baseball, but he was going through chemotherapy for six months instead of playing baseball. And so takes a toll on the body and for him to just not go on the IL, he had a couple of, you know, cuts and bruises, some, you know, twisted this, some sore that he played 147 out of 162 games and, you know, as you said, he was a positive for the Orioles in the lineup. He was worth about one war, according to fan graphs, which is always a positive. He was a 105 WRC plus, which, again, is a better than average major league hitter, which means a positive influence on your lineup every time he was out there. And it's interesting to look at him because, you know, he hit 21 homers, but his power really went away late in the season. I want to say he might have had one homer um in September and that was it I'm pulling that up now but the power really went away even the extra base hits I mean he was still hitting some doubles and he had 33 doubles the whole year but you know even with the home run ball essentially not being a part of his game for the final six weeks of the year he was still a positive output in the Orioles lineup and that was like all you could ask for and more because I remember thinking back to March and April and I think the thought process was this is fantastic that he's on the field but I wanted to know if you thought the same way. Like I had no idea what it was going to look like for Trey. And I was a little worried that it would, you know, he, he had the, you know, he was kind of pressing for the first week or so, and you can understand why, but I was worried that it could just be, you know, almost a lost season just because of all he went through. And that did not happen at all. 
that definitely crossed my mind, especially in spring training in the beginning of the season, especially with struggling early on, pressing a little bit, just coming back. I mean, the, the, the thought's always going to cross your mind. How is he going to come back? You know, and, and I, I felt like it was very unreasonable to set the bar so high for him to be his 2019 self again. He was just getting back to baseball activities, you know. So um, it, overall, I consider this a great year for, for Trey. Tailed off at the end. I was looking at the first half versus the second half numbers, and realistically, the the batting average stayed about the same. The the walk rate took a bit, a little bit of a dip, and not not too staggering. But really, what stood out in that second half of the season was the slugging percentage and the power numbers dipped tremendously, which is a good sign of a long, tiring season for Trey. So, if, if you look at the first half numbers. And everything still wasn't exactly up to that 2019 level, but it was much better than his, than the second half. So I think it, that could be a good sign of things to come for Trey as he he builds his endurance back up. He, he gets stronger in the offseason. He, obviously, he's going to take some time to relax and, and, and make sure he's healthy and good to go. But having a sense of more of a normal offseason could definitely do him wonders and, and really get him back in the swing of things. Yeah, and it's important to to know like what is considered the first half because, for example, for Trey, it's 86 games is considered the first half and then the final 61 games the second half because the All-Star break comes after the actual halfway point. But a 114 WRC plus in his first 86 games, the first half, and then it was 91 down the stretch. So he was like a better than just average hitter. He was a pretty good hitter before the All-Star break as well. And, you know, you talked about the power between August, September, and then those three games in October, so the final two months of the year, he had two home runs of the 21. Those other 19 home runs came from April through July, and that's a really good number that he was on pace for, and then obviously things just fell apart power-wise. So as you said, it's big to, to think, you know, the next thing he works on is, all right, need to get my body a little bit further back to where it was, to where, you know, the, that last month and a half, two months, I can be the same hitter I was early. But, you know, we, we take this season as a whole and his struggles down the stretch. But, you know, even for him, even if it was just a one month clip of him hitting that well, but it was a, you know, two, three, almost four month clip. You're like, that's pretty easy to project out that once his body gets back to where it was, he can still hit like that for a whole season. So that kind of brings me to the one thing we're going to talk about with Trey, which, you know, we won't probably get to as much with these other three guys is, you know, this is what you kind of wrote about at Utah street report is what does the future look like for Trey Mancini? He is into his final year of what is essentially, you know, his, his rookie contract in 2022, the arbitration number MLB trade rumors projected about 8 million that he would make in 2022. And there are a lot of options for the Orioles here. It's a lot to take into account. You know, a lot of that has to do with them essentially having a younger, arguably better version of Trey on the team right now in Ryan Mountcastle who plays the same positions, same kind of profile as a hitter and has just had a better season. And, you know, will the Orioles be willing to pay $8 million to Trey Mancini? Would they do a mini extension where it was like two years to pay him less money? Would they look for a trade? I, I just want to know, like, what is your kind of first initial thought of, you know, first of all, let me ask it like this. Is Trey Mancini in an Oriole uniform on opening day 2022? I think he is. I, I think he is a Utah Street report, but basically breaking down the options between do you extend him, do you trade him, or do you just ride it out and, and go through arbitration and, and see what the final year looks like. And realistically, with trading him, it's the, the Orioles have been down this road at the 2019 deadline, at the deadline this past season. 
and there have been rumors and everything, but nothing comes to fruition for, from it. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a Trey Mancini holds more value to the Orioles than he would with another ball club, you know. So, so realistically, the Orioles may think that Trey can still get that nine, that 2019 version of himself back. And if so, you don't want to sell him short. You know, he holds the, the value of the veteran clubhouse leader. He's a fan favorite and overall a very inspirational guy, you know, so, so there is a definitely an emotional attachment there. But also, if you're a ball club trading for Trey Mancini, what you're looking to give up is the value for what he just put out this season, which is 105 WRC plus. You know, you're thinking of a, of a first baseman that you're probably batting sixth, seventh in the lineup if you're just going off of his 2021 numbers, where the Orioles probably don't want to sell him short. So I really, I'm really not sure the value is going to be there unless the Orioles are very committed to not giving him this pay bump in salary and arbitration. And the same argument can be made because of the, such a difference in the 2019 and 2021 numbers it's tough to kind of predict what an, what a contract extension would look like because the Orioles are very much in the dark of what they could be getting from Trey going forward. Is he going to be more like the 2019 self or more like the 2021 self? And if, uh, it, if it's more like the 2019 self, then you can absolutely live with having both Mountcastle and Mancini on the roster, plug, plug them in at first base and designated hair every day. But if he's more in the 2021 self, then you're wondering if that's too much of a log jam to deal with. Yeah, it's gonna be it, it's gonna be really interesting for the Orioles, and and I will say I think I agree with yes, he's on the Orioles opening day, twenty twenty two. We won't get into this now uh, because we got some more guys to give out grades, but I would say no for Orioles opening day roster twenty twenty three. That's just my thoughts on the situation now. So next up, we'll get to our chat about Ryan Mountcastle's season with Dylan Atkinson of Utah Street Report. But first, got to tell you about Built Bar and all of their delicious flavors of protein bars. There's truly something for everyone. They've got flavors like German chocolate, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and that's just to name a few. And they're all delicious. That's what's so amazing. You pick out all these different flavors. They all taste great. And, you know, here's the other thing about Built Bar. You're eating these bars. They're delicious. You're like, oh, I'm eating a candy bar. Then you remember they're healthy too. That might be the best part. Most of the bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, and only about 4 or 5 grams of sugar, and only about 4 or 5 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order of these delicious and nutritious protein bars. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, which is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season. There's more props, odds, and lines than ever before. And BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. You can bet on this NHL season that just started. How about the NBA season starting last night? Of course, we got college, pro football. Hey, we still got baseball playoffs going on. 
And you can bet on it all at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Again, that's betonline.ag, where the game starts. And now we grade out Ryan Mountcastle's 2021 season with Dylan Atkinson from Utah Street Report. I did want to get to the guy we just mentioned to give out some more grades. And the reason why this Trey Mancini conversation is more interesting than it was is because Ryan Mountcastle is just kind of Trey Mancini with better numbers 2.0. And he had a fantastic year. Now, we've kind of, I think, come to the acceptance that he's not going to win rookie of the year. And the numbers back that up. But I think he could finish top three. I think he has a legitimate chance to finish top three. And uh, it was a fantastic year building off a really good shortened 2020 season. And so I go to you first. What kind of grade do you give Mountcastle? Some people may come at me with some, some, some pitchforks and torches on, on this one, but I'm actually going to go with a B plus. I'm not in the A range with, with Mountcastle. And main reason being is, and, and this may be a little harsh of me, is basically going off of that 35-game sample size of, of Mount Castle that we had in 2020. You know, he batted 333 with a 386 on base percentage, uh, a 139 WRC plus. He, he was he was lighting the world on fire at the plate, only a, a 21% uh, strikeout rate. And that strikeout rate climbed back up a bit in 2021. The, the walk rate dipped. Granted, it was a very small sample size in 2020, but it was a very promising one to go off of. Now, I couldn't give him too much of a knock because he broke the Orioles' rookie home run record. I mean, he had, had 33 bombs. Can't be upset with that. He was about worth about one and a half war per fan graphs. Can't be upset with that whatsoever. So I'm going to give him a B-plus right now. And really, that's that's more so just room for potential growth in, in the walk rate and the plate discipline. Um, maybe a little harsh, but that's what I'm going to go with. I really like the B plus grade. I was kind of, I was between a minus and B plus. I was, I was teetering. And what I'm actually going to do is agree with you and go B plus for a lot of the reasons you said. And it's also because I feel that he can get so much better that I don't want to give him the A range season yet, because I think the A range season is still to come from him. Now, a lot of it's the walk rate and the strikeout rate. Now he had some stretches where, you know, the batting eye looked better. Uh, he still struck out at a high rate, but we know players in baseball, especially in 2021, can strike out at a high rate, and it doesn't really phase how much they help the team. I think one of my reasons going B-plus instead of A-minus is actually something you didn't touch on as much, but is the kind of defensive value that he brings to the Orioles. And, you know, when you look at his war at the end of the season, and it's about 1.5, and you look at the other contenders for Rookie of the Year, like a Randy Rosarena and Adolis Garcia, you know, their wars are way up there. And a lot of that is because of defense, not as much for a Rosarena. He's an average at best defensive outfielder, but Garcia is a fantastic outfielder. And that really bumped him up for Mountcastle. It didn't really happen. And a lot of that negative war was accrued in April and May when the Orioles were putting him out there in left field. And he proved to us that he can't play left field and that's okay. That's fine. It's not like the position he was drafted at, you know, he's already kind of failed at that position, shortstop and then third base. And, I think he got better. I will say, I think he got better at first base as the season went on. I think I trust him at first base now. I don't know if I felt that way in May. I think I trust him now. And I think that will be backed up next year when he's playing, essentially when he's in the field, he's at first base in 2022. I think that will be reflected more in the defensive numbers, but he was really bad in left field, like really, really bad. And I get why the Orioles did it. Think about if you could have gone into next season saying Ryan Mountcastle can play left field. Think if we're sitting here talking, 
okay, we've got Mullins, Hayes, and Mountcastle in the outfield. We feel good about that. You can keep Trey, and then you can sign another first base DH, or one of those guys can come up, whoever it may be, and you know you have this open spot. You kind of don't because Mountcastle couldn't play the outfield. It worked out on the other end because it gave us a much better look at Ryan McKenna. It kind of told us who Anthony Santander really is. But in general, I need him... I need him to be able to play another position, not because it's going to make him a better hitter because he's going to hit wherever he is, but with a guy as athletic as Ryan Mountcastle, like the sprint speed that he has is way better than any first baseman. It's not that I feel he's wasted at first or as the DH because I want him in the lineup and I need him in the lineup anywhere, but if he could just play left field, and there's some bad defenders who make a living in left field, like left field is where you stick a guy and the old baseball thing used to be at first base, you stick a guy. It's kind of been like an even now between first base and left field where you stick your worst defender. And he couldn't do it out there. And I think it's going to hurt the Orioles in the next couple of years because if it turns out a guy like a Robert Newstrom really can't play the outfield, but he's raking. And when you already have one of those young, good hitters in the big leagues who's not built like David Ortiz or Nelson Cruz, he's built like Ryan Mountcastle. I, it's hard to fully explain what I mean, but I just feel like he sets up the Orioles so well at the plate, what he has. And if he could just be an average left fielder, I feel like the Orioles lineup would just open up so much more over the next couple of years. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I agree with you that that – I fully understand why they wanted to experiment with Mountcastle and left field for, for multiple reasons. You, you obviously want him to have some level of flexibility in the field. But also, you could imagine there was some level of concern when it came to the walk rate and the strikeout rate where it was, is he going to produce enough at the plate to be a full-time first baseman? You know, when you think of a full-time first baseman, you're thinking of a guy who's going to be in the one, 125 to 145 WRC plus range. He had 111 this year. He was still a, a great hitter this year and everything. It's only his rookie year, so there, there's many things to, to continue to go up from here. But you can see why there that could be some concern there on whether or not he could stick at first base from the offensive perspective. You definitely want the defensive flexibility. And I agree with you that there are many guys who have made careers out in left field as very poor defenders. I mean, think about the Adam Dunn was out there for, for some time. You know, you have some Manny Ramirez's of the world. So, yeah, I'm not even sure you needed him to be average. Uh, it, it, he could be even a step below average. And it still may have been worth it for the Orioles. But I, I don't know about you, Connor, but I oddly – felt more confident in Mountcastle in left field last season when he was called up during the shortened season than I did this season. When he got called up and he was, he was getting reps in left field in 2020, I was like, this actually isn't going as bad as I thought it would. You know, it seemed he was tracking down some balls here and there, got to some balls fairly quickly. Pretty sure he even made a couple of diving catches in left field. And I was like, okay, this could be a positive sign going into the 2021 season. He came out this season. It just looked like he spent zero reps in the offseason track and fly balls. So uh, it was definitely on the downside there. But I also agree with you on the point that as the season progressed, I continuously got 
more confident in Mountcastle's abilities at first base. I, I now feel confident in his abilities as a first baseman. There, there was a time going from 2012 to 2013 when everybody was concerned about whether or not Chris Davis could play first base. He was the designated hitter for a long time in 2012. Orioles got rid of Mark Reynolds and Chris Davis was slated to be the first baseman. People were like, oh no, this is not going to go well. And sure enough, he ended up being great over at first base defensively. So there, there's always room to grow. Um, and I, I think Mountcastle showed that he can play it. The other thing is, you know, with him, he, he definitely got worse from 21 to 20. Not sure what it was. Like even in spring training, he made some horrendous plays this year. I remember seeing, and maybe they still work on it. Like, I don't think they're going to give up on left field. I think they're going to give it one more shot this off season, especially if Santander's not back with the team next year. But I, I will say it's, it's definitely a little concerning, but he hit well enough where hopefully he continues to hit better and better where it's just not going to matter. And, and that's what you hope for with all these guys. So our thanks again to Dylan Atkinson, who writes for Utah Street Report. Actually just had a piece up a couple of weeks ago. You should go check it out over there where he kind of dove into, you know, Trey Mancini's future with the Orioles and what uh, the O's should potentially or will potentially do with Mancini this offseason. So many options that we got into. You can follow him at Dylan T. Atkinson on Twitter and a good follow for the uh, Orioles fans and uh, the Orioles community out there. But uh, yeah, definitely a good conversation with Dylan here. And it's interesting to talk about Trey Mancini and, you know, what is going to happen with him. I think all options are open. And again, as I mentioned, we're going to get to this many more times here this offseason before the Orioles would have to make a decision like that. But again, the things to take into account, you know, probably going to be due around $8 million in his final year of arbitration. You look at his production offensively, it was better than an average league hitter. You also look at with having Ryan Mountcastle, they're both basically playing the same position at this point, first base slash DH with, you know, an emergency outfield, you know, corner outfield thing for them as well. Um, you're looking in your outfield where you don't really have many openings either. And, uh, you know, do the Orioles want to pay that money? Would they trade him? Do they think that maybe it was tough for Mancini to come back from not playing and, and going on through chemotherapy to playing 147 games? And do they expect him to get stronger and the production to get better in 2022? Does that make them think about maybe keeping him and then trading him at the deadline? Or does that make them, you know, think about an extension? It's not going to be some giant extension if they give it to Mancini. It'd be more like a, you know, two to, to three-year extension, keep him in Baltimore through 2023, maybe 2024, keep him around a few more years until he gets into, you know, more so his early 30s uh, before letting him walk and getting some more production out of him and, and hoping, obviously, that he would be on the next good Orioles team because that's definitely something that Mancini deserves. Obviously, came up right at the end of the Orioles run. You know, he was a September call-up in 2016, was on the playoff roster for the wild card game, got had an at-bat in that game, and then was, you know, in the lineup most of the year in 2017 when the Orioles were basically competitive until September, uh, but didn't really become a huge part of the Orioles team until things started to go south, until they traded everybody, and then in the second half in 2018 and beyond, it kind of became Mancini's team, so, you know, it'd be cool to see him be a big part of a, a good Orioles team, but I feel like it's going to be tough to get there with Trey Mancini, especially with the contract, again, running out after the 2022 season. But we'll get to all that much more in depth on many more episodes this offseason. Obviously, for Mountcastle, he's not going anywhere. He's starting at first base for the Orioles in 2022, or as the DH. He was fantastic. Again, probably won't win AL Rookie of the Year, but uh, he will be close. He'll probably finish in the top three. He was great. Uh, you know, He answered some questions about his you know swing and miss, his walk rate. 
He answered some questions not as well as you wanted about his defense. Uh, It's not good in the outfield, but it's better than we expected at first base, and that's at least a positive defensively to take away from Ryan Mountcastle, and that's why both of those guys uh, got very good grades here uh, from me and from Dylan as well. But Dylan's actually going to be back with us uh, on tomorrow's episode. This was one full conversation with Dylan. We did about kind of the starting, uh, we'll call it right side of the infield uh, players. We talked about four guys. Wanted to get the Mancini and Mountcastle into today's episode because it was kind of a longer conversation about those two and wanted to stick to two of the more important pieces of the team. But tomorrow we'll talk about the two other players that we uh, chatted about. It was mostly second baseman coming up on tomorrow's episode. As it will be a little bit shorter, the part two of the conversation with Dylan tomorrow, but we will talk about Ramon Arias, who of course had a great breakout season with the Orioles as a rookie this year and and really, you know, rose some questions about, you know, he could be a piece moving forward. And uh, we'll also talk about Pat Vileka, who, you know, got much worse at the plate this year, but still found a good amount of time with the Orioles. Now he's arbitration eligible, and we'll talk about why he may be the most obvious non-tender candidate on this Orioles team. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode as we give out season grades to Pat Faleka and Ramona Rios as Dylan Atkinson joins us once again. But again, that's coming up tomorrow. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.